podcast, where we seek to grow in loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Today, we are diving into the third chapter of The Imitation of Christ, which again, you can access for free at ccel.org or on a Logos Bible app. And so this chapter is actually a bit longer than the rest. Instead of like three paragraphs, it's actually have to scroll on the page to read all of it. So it's a little bit longer, but there's, a, again, important things, and it's titled The Doctrine of Truth. I hope just hearing it read and thinking through the different ideas found within it, that there will be something that sticks out to you. There is a lot in this chapter, and so I won't actually be taking that much time to speak through it, but maybe there's a few topics I'll suggest. Okay, here we go. The third chapter, the doctrine of truth. Happy is he to whom truth manifests itself, not in signs and words that fade, but as it actually is. Our opinions, our senses, often deceive us and we discern very little. What good is much discussion of involved and obscure matters when our ignorance of them will not be held against us on judgment day? Neglect of things which are profitable and necessary and undue concern with those which are irrelevant and harmful are great folly. We have eyes and do not see. What, therefore, have we to do with questions of philosophy? He to whom the eternal word speaks is free from theorizing. For from this word are all things, and of him all things speak, the beginning who also speaks to us. Without this word, no man understands or judges aright. He to whom it becomes everything, who traces all things to it, and who sees all things in it, may ease his heart and remain at peace with God. O God, you who are the truth, make me one with you in love everlasting. I am often wearied by the many things I hear and read, but in you is all that I long for. Let the learned be still, let all creatures be silent before you. You alone speak to me. The more recollected a man is, and the more simple of heart he becomes, the easier he understands sublime things. For he receives the light of knowledge from above. The pure, simple, and steadfast spirit is not distracted by many labors, for he does them all for the honor of God. And since he enjoys interior peace, he seeks no selfish end in anything. What indeed gives more trouble and affliction than uncontrolled desires of the heart? A good and devout man arranges in his mind the things he has to do, not according to the whims of evil inclination, but according to the dictates of right reason. Who is forced to struggle more than he who tries to master himself? This ought to be our purpose, then, to conquer self, to become stronger each day to advance in virtue. Every perfection in this life has some imperfection mixed with it, and no learning of ours is without some darkness. Humble knowledge of self is a surer path to God than the ardent pursuit of learning. Not that learning is to be considered evil, or knowledge which is good in itself and so ordained by God, but a clean conscience and virtuous life ought always to be preferred. Many often err and accomplish little or nothing because they try to become learned rather than to live well. 
If men used as much care in uprooting vices and implanting virtues as they do in discussing problems, there would not be so much evil and scandal in the world, or such laxity in religious organizations. On the day of judgment, surely we shall not be asked what we have read, but what we have done. Not how well have we spoken, but how well have, have we lived. Tell me, where now are all the masters and teachers whom you knew so well in life and who were famous for their learning? Others have already taken their places, and I know not whether they ever think of their predecessors. During life they seem to be something, now they are seldom remembered. How quickly the glory of the world passes away. If only their lives had kept pace with their learning, then their study and reading would have been worth while. How many there are who perish because of vain worldly knowledge and too little care for serving God. They become vain in their own conceits because they chose to be great rather than humble. He is truly great who has great charity. He is truly great who is little in his own eyes and makes nothing of the highest honor. He is truly wise who looks upon all earthly things as folly that he may gain Christ. He who does God's will and renounces his own is truly very learned. And so that's the end of chapter 3. And I think there's again a few important points to pull out of here. And again, it's this priorities. What do we consider is important to our discipleship with God? Is it simply to gather all the information that's around us, gather what's important, read the newest authors, read the newest books, and all that knowledge is valuable and good, as Thomas Akemtis is readily recognizes. But is it fruitful and faithful to God? Is it actually helping you to grow in your relationship with Christ? Are you actually living differently with greater love for God and love for neighbor? And then when you come to your time, do you consider it as a time to serve, a time to cry out to God and ask, what, what can I do for you? How can I be a living sacrifice to you each day? Or do you just think about your own feelings or your own things? think as I was writing about this chapter, I was thinking a lot about how do I think about my days at the end of the day? Am I rested because I think I did rested, restful things? Or did I actually take time away to rest? Did I actually go to God and ask him what would be restful for me to do? And then at the end of a workday, uh, do I consider productivity, like how much I got done as the main thing of a good workday? Or how about when I'm actually productive by my own standards? Is there still something that sits wrong in my heart? And unfortunately, I have to answer these questions with yes. I have sort of just considered my own feelings and my own thoughts and my own ideas all the time instead of reorientating and prioritizing what God has placed before me. And I think here is what is so crucial in our busy and running around life. Thomas Akempis says, The pure, simple, and steadfast spirit is not distracted by many labors, for he does them all for the honor of God. Oh my goodness, everything is just constantly moving and constantly changing and shifting, and it always feels like there's more to do and more to run to. Like we're unraveling with all of this. 
and Thomas Akempis calls us to that the pure and simple and steadfast spirit is not distracted by all the work that he has to do because all of it is for God. All that he does is for God. All that he or she does is for God. So everything needs to be in view when we think about honoring God with our bodies. And finally, this obviously seems very prophetic in my eyes for what Thomas Akempis says, but he says here, after he says, I want to know God the most and be joined to him in love everlasting, he says this, I am often wearied by all the things that I hear and read, but in you, like in God, is all that I long for. And honestly, I feel like that is one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast and talk about the imitation of Christ. Because there's just so much to read. There's so much to hear. There's always a new thing on our social media. There's always a new thing going on that is just tiring. And we keep, at least I keep wanting to be updated, wanting to know what's going on because it, it gives me some sort of sense of control. But in God is everything that I long for. Not control but actually the ability to be secure in someone who loves me for all that I am, all my sins and all my mistakes. He actually loves me through that. And he is sanctifying me by his Holy Spirit. And that is where everything is. But we miss it. We constantly miss it. I miss it all the time. But in God is all that we long for. Again, I think I keep bringing up just what are our priorities where do we go to? What, what do we have in view when we hope and think into the future? Do we think about those days when Christ returns? And do we think about what that will mean and, and what it will look like? And I know we can get very focused on all sorts of theories about end times and whatnot, but that's not the point here. It's just that, that God can come, will come back. That Jesus Christ, there is a second coming. And that when we keep that in mind, it sort of, provides us with the zeal or the push and the passion to actually live here and now truly and fully and with love for God and love for neighbor. And it's God that sanctifies us to give us that love, that, that push and that desire to please him and to love others. And I think that's just amazing. And I think we should, we can all learn so much just from continuing to read these giants in our history that we sort of we stand on their shoulders as we look forward. So many people in, in the history of our Christian church has learned so much from the imitation of Christ. And I hope that you will also continue to be blessed by hearing about it and also reading it, uh, taking it up yourself and also reading this book. Thank you, everybody, for joining at the By Candlelight podcast. I hope and pray that the content here will help you to grow in loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit and to love your neighbor as yourself.